This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the Thursday edition of The Yard, didn't have time to record yesterday. Had the big family trip. You know how it is. The uh, in-laws had to go see the in-laws over in Wetumpka, Alabama. They're not from there. They just live there. You know, but uh, yeah, Audrey and Mia, my daughters, were uh, making the grandparent tour. We don't get to see Audrey very often, so we uh, spent the day over there. Got a chance to see uh, the bride's older sister, too, and uh, give uh, their dad uh, his Christmas gift. Uh, Noise-canceling headphones, so when he cuts the grass, he can uh, listen to the Statler Brothers, whatever, you know, so... Uh, but anyway, yeah, they're from Natchez, Mississippi, but we went and spent the day with them, and by the time I got home, I was just kind of ready to chill, and uh, about three and a half hours over there, something like that. But uh, nevertheless, got a chance to watch a little football last night, listen to some too, and uh, you know, we talked about the SEC bowl schedule. I don't think it's going to be a great year in the postseason for the SEC, and you know, we've already picked those ball games, but... Uh, yeah, A&M last night, and uh, you know Jalen Henderson goes down on the very first play of the game. Very unfortunate situation there. You got to kind of ask yourself why is the guy going low on a quarterback? It's throwing, you know, it's, it's football though. It's part of the deal. You hate it. It's very unfortunate. Uh, but give Marcel Reed and A&M a lot of credit. Uh, they hung in there, and Reed, of course, uh, his most significant action in an A&M uniform. And that's the, the glory of all of this, right? Is that we're still playing a game. We're watching a game that we all love, even if we don't have a rooting interest in the game. If you don't think that those guys from uh, A&M and Oklahoma State were fired up last night, you're, you're kidding yourself. They absolutely were. And uh, I thought the level of play was pretty good. And that's what we want to see is entertaining football, right? But you start working through all this stuff, man. It, it's, uh, you know, Rashad Owens. How impressive was that guy last night for Oklahoma State? It's a 10-3 game after one. It's 24-6. Ollie Gordon, of course, the Doak Walker Award winner, uh, scores just before the half to make a 24-6 game. And A&M could have packed it in. They could have said, you know what? We've had a coaching change. We've got guys going in the portal. We've already got some guys that have left. We've got guys that opt out of the game. And we could just go to the house. You know, we can take our uh, parting gifts. We can go home, be with our families. And come back and start again in the spring with Coach Mike Elko. That's what they could have done. That's not what they did. I have a lot of respect for how A&M kind of knuckled up there in the second half and made this thing a game. Uh, 24-13. And the next thing you know, Rashad Owens again. Huge, huge game for him. Makes it 31-13 with 7-17 to go. And again, your second chance, just kind of mail it in. They don't. Marcel Reed gets outside, runs uh, 20 yards for a touchdown, and once he cleared containment, there was nobody on that side of the field. And then they drive down again. 51-yard field goal for Randy Bond off the crossbar. It's feel like Randy Bond has been at A&M forever. That guy's going to be in the league. There's no question about it. And then lo and behold, you get the big stop there, and you force a field goal, 47-yarder. Oklahoma State pushes it right. So Marcel Reed and Texas A&M have the ball 
in a one-score game. I don't think anybody saw that happening. What do you know? What does Reed do? He goes up, he makes a big completion, gets into plus territory, sets up the Hail Mary, and uh, the pass was short of the line, but a little pressure there. But little did we expect at the half that this thing would be, you know, one-score game with A&M playing for a chance to tie late. So uh, congratulations to the Oklahoma State Cowboys. We picked them. Man, goodness, Bowman, 34 of 49 on the night, 402 yards, a couple touchdowns, a couple of picks. And you go back to really to play in this game is when they, they run – Aiden runs a screenplay and they get down inside the five-yard line and fumble the football. I mean, if that drive ends in seven points, we may be having a different conversation today. Uh, Ollie Gordon, 118 yards rushing. That guy's a pro. We all see it. But Marcel Reed in his first extensive action. And, again, really only the one snap. I mean, he, he came into this game expecting to be the backup. Second offensive snap of the game, he's under center or behind center. So 20 of 33, 361 yards, and the interception there. But, uh, goodness, uh, the love of the game is truly involved with this young man here, for sure. Most Muhammad, a couple big catches, three for 68. Had that big, you know, one-handed grab in traffic. It was pretty impressive. Uh, Walker from A&M, eight grabs for 137 yards. Uh, Presley for Oklahoma State, 16 catches. For 152, of course, uh, Owens with 164. So, yeah, it was an entertaining game, and uh, which is why we tune in. You know, there's so much talk about opt-outs and how it's ruining bowl season. And, yeah, I share in some of that stuff, too. You've got to find a way to properly incentivize these young men to play. Because let's be honest. Let's just kind of call it for what it is. I'm not being critical here. I'm just telling you. There's not a lot of people playing for the love of their university at this time of year. There's just not. I mean, there's some guys out there, obviously, that you know came to their prospective programs because it was a childhood favorite. They've made some friends, some relationships along the way. They want to win the game. But uh, there's a lot of people these days looking out more for their self-interest than they are the, uh, the needs of others, looking for the greater good. And so they opt out. And, uh, you know, if I had millions of dollars on the line, I might consider that too. You know, but how many – really – if you think about it, how many guys have gotten injured in bowl games and then ultimately been impacted negatively in the draft? Not a lot. But there's, you know, there's risk in life. There's risk walking down the street. He's driving to Walmart. Anything could happen. But uh, I see it a little bit differently uh, than many other people do. You know, people are like, well, you know, Steve, they're opting out and getting ready for the draft. A lot of these people opting out for the draft are going to end up in the CFL or the XFL. And you know this. They may not know it, but you know it. They've got an agent or a runner in their ear saying, hey, dude, we've got interest from eight franchises, and you're going to be this and probably a mid-round pick. You don't need to run the risk of this. And so the next thing you know, they opt out, they sign with an agent, they get an advance on some money, and that may be the only money they ever make as a professional athlete. It's true. But there's a lot of people out there that say, hey, we're going to opt out, we're going to do this. That's why I have so much respect for that 2018 Mississippi State team. Jeffrey Simmons could have opted out. Didn't. He played. We lost the game, and, and Jeff Simmons did tear his ACL, but not in the game. He tore it in pre-draft workouts with his strength and conditioning group. Jonathan Abram, first-round draft pick. Montez Sweat, first-round draft pick. Those guys played for the love of Mississippi State and for the love of the game of football and the love of their teammates. I have a lot of respect for that. A lot of people out there, listen – there's a lot of pressure on these young men. I absolutely get it. It's, oh, you've got nothing left to prove. Well, is that why we joined football teams in the first place? Because we had something to prove? 
No, we join because we love playing the game. You sign a scholarship. You get, you're part of a team. You have an accountability and responsibility to a team. But I get it. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you're going to be a first-round, second-round, third-round pick. You don't need to run a risk of getting injured. Let's just go ahead and work on the draft. And you and I both know they're not working on the draft. They're sitting around playing uh, video games, kind of waiting for all this stuff to get over. But um, it is what it is. Uh, it's easy for us to sit in judgment of people that, um, you know, about their, what they're doing with their lives. Because let's be honest, we're selfish too, right? We want our team to be uh, as competitive as it possibly can be. So we're like, hey, this guy opting out hurts our chances of winning this game. As I said before, you know, my whole, the whole rant about there's too many bowl games. There's not. There's not. This is an entertainment product. There's, do, you, do you say there's too many movies? No, you don't. But the reality of it is, is that, um, you know, we love college football. We do. We love it. And uh, I think you've got to find a way to fix the bowl system. You've got to find a way to fix NIL. I think all that works together. You know, there's some programs out there that are using their NIL money to get guys to not opt out for bowl games. You know how it works, man. You win that big bowl game, you end the year on the uh, on the positive stride, and next thing you know, you got some juice going into spring practice. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that as it relates to Mississippi State. But, um, again, congratulations to Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, and, again, Texas A&M, there are no moral victories, but uh, those young men represented their university well, those that opted to play. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I love them. i got to get in there this week before we get done. Uh, I do. I, you know, I've, I've had a lot of this um, you know, Christmas food here as of late, and you love it. But uh, sometimes you just got to get back to your own routine. And Bulldog Burger Company is a big part of my routine. I love going in there. I love the service. I love the selection, the diversity of the menu. If I'm feeling like a hamburger, I can have one. If I want chicken wings, I can have that too. If I want the spring rolls, and I always do, it's part of my you know, health care regimen. You know, because it makes you and everybody around you better looking. And we all need a more cheery disposition in life. And I like getting that dessert to go, whether it be the chocolate shake, the Nutella shake. Sometimes they have special shakes. I'm a big fan of those. In addition to that, too, there's that Shipley's bread pudding. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by and check them out next time you're in town. You'll be glad you did. They know how to feed people. They've been feeding people forever, man. The Eat With Us group, absolutely legendary in this part of the state. And Bulldog Burger Company, kind of the crown jewel of that. Whether it's a night out with friends or night out with family, Bulldog Burger Company can take care of you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, I wanted to spend some time today. Let's talk about realistic expectations for Mississippi State. Now, this won't be breaking news, but let me go ahead and prepare you for this. Mississippi State is going to be picked dead last in the West next year. And I get it. I'm not going to argue against it. This year I did. This year I thought, oh, these guys are crazy. What do we do? You know, we end up, you know, bottom of the pack, us in Arkansas, and we beat Arkansas. So by the tiebreaker, we avoid the seller. But the reality of it is a disappointing season. It shouldn't have been. It was. And you can say, but Steve, in hindsight, you know, we did this. Here's the thing. With the veteran roster, especially on offense, we were the oldest teams in the country, in a favorable schedule, we blew it. We blew it. Like, but Steve, no, 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 we blew it. Next year, different situation. So I think it's best, it's December 28th today. We need to go ahead and temper our expectations a little bit. New coach, yes. New offensive system, 
Yes. New defensive system. Yes. So I don't see it as a rebuild. But the reality of it is, is we're going to be a team in transition next year. And you put whatever label on it you want to. But I think it's important that we temper expectations. I saw somebody the other day that said, man, if we go 7-5 and five next year and lose some shootouts, I'm thinking, I'll take it right now. I'll, I will absolutely take that right here and now. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what stage losing. And uh, it's easy when you start kicking numbers around to kind of have things draw into focus. So we'll start with the quarterback. You know, Blake Shapin, my honest opinion is, unless a difference maker comes available, I think Blake Shapin's going to be your quarterback next year. Out of Baylor. Not that State's out there just beating the bushes, but uh, you know, if if a difference maker becomes available, you're not going to turn down a great player, a guy that could um, you know improve your prospects for next year. Uh, but I think Shapin can do it, and I think that's a guy too that uh, Jeff Lubby knows, you know, from his time in the Big Twelve. But if you have to call it today, I think Blake Shapin, provided he stays healthy, will be your starter uh, next year. And so let's kind of talk about you know what what we're losing. You know, Will Rogers, one of the most prolific passers in the history of the Southeastern Conference, the much maligned Will Rogers, and now headed to Washington. Uh, Will, of course, missed uh, four games due to injury. But uh, on the year, 1,626 yards. What if he'd been healthy? What if he'd been able to play in the air raid? You know, maybe a different conversation today. Uh, Mike Wright, of course, uh, played in 12 games, kind of as your change of pace quarterback. And, uh, you know, it's so interesting. I remember asking Kevin Barbier, can we do something with Mike other than the gadget plays? He goes, well, it's not really a gadget play. No, it was. It was. I mean, and it's like sometimes you bring him in the ballgame just to have him hand it off. I mean, what's the point of that? And it, like many of you, I was just begging for him to throw the football. I knew that Mike was kind of a pedestrian passer, but you're basically just giving it away when all he ever does is run the football. I mean, if you notice in some games, like especially late against Arizona, as soon as Mike comes in the ball game, it's an all-out blitz. It's a run blitz, trying to fit every gap because they don't believe he could throw the football. And then when we didn't. And then when he did throw the football, you know, it was, there were varying results. But uh, a lot of Mike Wright's struggles this year had more to do with the coaching staff and the play calling than it did Mike. Mike is not an elite passer. I've told you guys that for a year now. But the reality of it is, is Mike was underutilized and probably not used to the best, you know, sense of his skill set. Chris Parson, of course, played in a couple games. You know, Chris got a ton of ability. Uh, we think Chris has got a bright future. We'll see how things go this spring with him. But when you start working through this, man, I mean, we threw last year for 2,182 yards. Well, 16 16- 126 of that's headed out the door. We threw 15 touchdown passes, and a dozen of those came from Will Rogers. So we're going to return 556 yards of passing and three touchdowns to go along with six picks. So we're going to transform that room. Of course, Michael Van Buren, of course, will be here. You know, so far our scholarship allocation is good, but you need to have some measured expectations. You know, how's Blake Shapin and those guys going to handle working with a brand-new system and a new set of players? Let's look at the running back situation. You know, Woody Marks now headed to USC. Wish Woody the best. Uh, Woody's a warrior. Woody's a little bit banged up basically throughout his career. Uh, but a lot of that, too, is just because of how hard he plays. But uh, there were a lot of times this year, you know, you look up and, you know, Woody's tapping his, 
his helmet to come out. He just wasn't right all year. But, uh, you know, wish him the best out there. Wish he'd still be here. But um, headed out to SC. And, uh, you know, that's a Dave Emrick, Brittany Thackeray thing. He goes in the portal. They got relationships there. Makes perfect sense. Go out there for a year. See if you can't improve your draft stock. Um, I get it. You know, I don't like it, but I get it. But Woody last year, 573 yards, played nine games. And I'll never forget how hard he played in that Arkansas game, knowing how beat up he was. And got injured again in that game. Completely different injury. But uh, that young man did his best uh, to represent Mississippi State. But uh, 573 yards uh, with Woody kind of out the door. Seth Davis last year ran for 356. Mike Wright, 324. Jeff Pittman, 268. Kevon Lee had 75. Uh, so when you those are your primary runners. And you think, you know, how much quarterback run are we going to do this year? You know, we'll shape him and we'll do some. He's got enough ability to kind of keep you honest. He's a little bit better runner than Will Rogers is. But he's not the runner Mike Wright is, but a, a better passer. So we do, do we continue to kind of work the two-quarterback system? I suspect you will in some aspects. But you're not going to run Mike Wright 71 times next year. I just can't see that. So when you start looking at those numbers – you know, we ran for 1,761 yards. All right, well, nearly a third of that came from Woody Marks. And then the fact that Mike Wright likely won't have the same number of attempts next year. When you start beginning to think about that, it's a ton of production you're going to have to make up. It is. And uh, we, we've obviously allocated a lot of, uh, you know, scholarship slots for runners you know, you know, get Johnny Daniels, of course, and several others. But, uh, you know, remember, don't forget Seth Davis towards ACL and the Egg Bowl, you know. So uh, it's going to be a much different-looking running back room. Jeffrey Pittman, I think, is a guy that will take a step up next year. I think this offense kind of lends itself uh, to what he does well. Uh, but you start working through the wide receiver room here, and maybe you've looked at this, maybe you haven't. Last year, Mississippi State threw for 2,182 yards. Well, Tulu Griffin accounted for 658 yards, and uh, he declared and signed with an agent, from what we understand. And there's Xavier Thomas, of course, is now at LSU. Well, just between the two of those guys, that's 1,161 yards and five touchdowns that are gone. You don't need to be a mathematician to realize that those two players accounted for over half of your receiving yards. Justin Robinson was banged up a lot last year and even played banged up at times. Uh, 21 catches, 257 yards. We're going to need him to have a bigger year next year. Woody Marks, 23 grabs, 167. That's gone. Freddie Roberson, of course, 11 grabs for 149. He's exhausted his eligibility. He's gone. And so you begin to realize everything on offense is basically, in and of itself, a rebuild. It's true. I think in some respects, maybe that's good for Jeff Levitt. Because you've got guys that are stepping up and then learning a new system and then taking on increased responsibility, rather than have guys that maybe are kind of locked into what they've always done. It's difficult to teach an old dog new tricks. I think you've got guys that maybe have been two deepers, and now they're expected to push up, and so they'll get a new system uh, to kind of work under here. But, yeah, the offensive system is going to be very reliant on play calling, be very reliant on execution by players that maybe you're not quite as familiar with. Look on the defensive side of the football. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, 
and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends, we live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. Got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking and that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y, official.com, forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy, E-U-F-Y. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. 
Optocovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. And listen, we get it. There's a ton of work left to do in this portal, and much of it needs to come on the uh, off-defensive side of the football. Got to get an edge rusher, got to get a linebacker, probably got to get a couple more DBs. And it seems like that's been the case the last three years in Mississippi State with these DBs. I feel like we're always in a portal, always chasing a DB. Uh, a lot of that, too, is because of safeties. You know, we, we've, we have not had a lot of success with those safeties. And, of course, you look back last year, you lose all three of your starting safeties. You know, Jalen Green, of course, those guys are gone. So you had to replace those guys. You go out in the portal, and there's a reason guys are in the portal. It's not always good. Sometimes they're in the portal because, you know, they weren't able to play at their previous stop. And the thing that I've always thought about, if they can't play, you know, in Indiana, and they can't play other places, what makes you think they can play here? You know, sometimes they get behind an All-American or a big-time player. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes guys just aren't very good. The defensive side of the football, you're going to lose a lot here, okay? And, and we'll work through this together. So, Nathaniel Watson led us in tackles 137. He's gone. Jed Johnson had 130 tackles. He's gone. The Cameron Richardson had 79. He's gone. Corey Ellington went in the portal but withdrew, so he's back. That's great. Sean Preston exhausted his eligibility. He had 59 tackles. Marcus Banks exhausted his eligibility at 51. Nathan Pickering had 44 tackles. He's finished. DeCarlos Nicholson, now in the portal and headed to USC, had 42 tackles, primarily as a reserve. So Mississippi State is going to lose six of its top seven tacklers from this year. And many of those guys are older guys. They just don't have the ability to come back. And you get a little deeper there, and there's J.P., Deontay, and Jaden Crumity. And so seven of the top ten throw in Deshaun Page, make it eight of the top 11. So we're going to have a lot of guys out there that are going to have to step up. And you say, you know what, I like John Lewis, and I do. Demonte Russell's going to be back. Don Terry's going to be back. We think that that's a guy that can be, you know, take a step up and be a difference maker for us next year. But when you start running these numbers here, it doesn't paint a real peachy picture for Mississippi State next year. And maybe that's a good thing. Because of the fact, I think this team, this system, the staff kind of needs a year to kind of settle in. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, I, you know, that hey, it's all is lost next year. It's not, but it's a very difficult schedule. Let's run that down real quick here. Uh, the non-conference schedule, for the most part, is manageable. Of course, you have the Power 5 road trip to Tempe, but we open up August 31st against Eastern Kentucky. Probably a game that will put up some big numbers. Probably play a lot of people, as we should. The next week, we head out to Tempe, Arizona. 
Arizona State's team that's in transition as well. So it's going to be interesting, right? But it's a road game for a rebuilding Mississippi State team. I know we hate to use that word, but we'll call it for what it is. Um, I don't think it's a complete rebuild in many respects because you do have um, you got a few building blocks to work with. But to go on the road and expect to win a Power 5 game that early in the year, you may be asking a lot. But, you know, maybe Jeff Lovey and those guys are up for it. You know, that's the thing you think about, too, is like you, you, you want to look at program or kind of coach tenure defining type wins. Now, this is not going to move the radar much for people if you go out there and you win that game, but it would mean a tremendous amount for those here at Mississippi State. Arizona State is 3-9 and nine last year. Two and six at home. So, it, it, you know, as far as Power 5 opponents go, Mississippi State could do a lot worse. But you're asking an awful lot to go on the road and win in somebody else's venue that early in the year. If we do, changes a lot. Uh, the next week we have Toledo coming to Mississippi State, coming to Starville, Davis Wade Stadium. So that's three. See, you have a chance to start out 3-0. and if you started out two and one, I think most people would say, yeah, that's, that's about right. But you got a chance to get out of the gate three and zero, and then you've got Florida coming in, and uh, G five Billy, as he is uh, affectionately known, Billy Napier, coaching for his job next year. There's no ifs ands or buts about that. That's going to be a big game for Florida. This is number one. It's an SEC game. But number two, you've you got a coaching staff out there that is – the only thing that's kept them in place is the buyout, right? I mean, nobody is satisfied with the play of Florida Gator football. Nobody. I don't care who you are, where you're from. There's nobody out there that puts on that orange and blue that says, hey, I think this is okay. But what's interesting, too, we kind of get them at a good spot in, in the schedule. Like, we're playing Eastern Kentucky, Arizona State, and Toledo. They open up with Miami in Gainesville. You lose to the Hurricanes in the Swamp to open the season, and the pitchforks are out. All right, the next week they get Samford, and then they get Texas A&M. And then their first road trip is to Mississippi State. The next week they're back home against Central Florida. Well, I guess they get a bye week. Um but they're going to play two Power 5 teams that are capable of beating them in the swamp. So we don't know what kind of shape Florida will be in by the time they get here, not just from a physical standpoint of having to play two Power 5 games early, but in addition, mentally, do they begin to have this here-we-go-again type feeling? And if Mississippi State's able to beat Arizona State, you feel like we'd have some juice. So that could be an interesting ball game. And again, we'll pick as we get closer. Uh, the next week, State heads to Texas. Uh, let me tell you right now, I know that uh, Levy's a big Oklahoma guy. So the Red River Classic's big to him. We're going to have a tough time winning that ball game. The next week, we're off. And then the, next, the, the, the following week, we're at Georgia. I don't know why all, why all of a sudden we have to play Georgia all the time. It's crazy. We go decades without playing them, and all of a sudden uh, they're on the schedule regularly. It's interesting. Why didn't they do that to Kentucky and Alabama? Uh, the next week we host A&M, and then we get Arkansas here on October 26th. And I think we all kind of see this Sam Pittman thing for what it is. As much as everybody wanted that guy to make it, 
they have little to no support within the fan base. By the time they get here, there's no telling what shape they'll be in. And then you've got UMass here at Mississippi State to open the month of November. And so you start counting here, and you start thinking, hey, you know, a ball game's a possibility. November the 9th, we had to Tennessee. Been a long time since we won up there at Neyland Stadium. Then Missouri comes here. Missouri obviously played exceptionally well this year, but they're losing a ton. Got some good skill players, and then we go to Oxford. And so you start running down the numbers here. Is it possible to make a ball game? Yeah, and I think that should always be the expectation here at Mississippi State. I think that's the minimum foundational standard is that, hey, we expect to go at least 6-6 six and six and go to a bowl game every year. That's not the goal. That should be the minimum expectation of this program. Every single year we expect to be in a bowl game, and we have been for the last 13 years, and then we come up a game short this year. We shouldn't have to be relying on some APR waiver. The reality of this is, is that even next year, that should be Jeff Labby's goal, and I'm sure that it is. Hey, we're going to go out here and try to at least get bowl eligible and get into a bowl game. You win the bowl game, you have a winning year in, first, in, in year one, and uh, you have some juice. You end the year, just like Oklahoma State did. You end the year on a positive note, gives you some juice heading into the spring. But I think to expect anything more than that is probably expecting too much. Again, your four non-conference games, Eastern Kentucky, that's an FCS team. Toledo, that's a MAC team. UMass, that's a team that has come down here, and we've seen that we play them a lot too. That's, that's a game we should be able to out-athlete people. And then you've got a very winnable Arizona State game on the road. Again, I just think week two going out there, and maybe we get them at a good time, I don't know. But it's always a toss-up when you go and play in somebody else's backyard, even if they went three and nine. But let's just say, for, for the moment, you find a way to get all four of those. And you absolutely could. It's not some big stretch. And then you've got a very vulnerable Florida team coming up here. Can you, can you get them? Especially if they lose two of those first three. Then you got to go get on the road for the first time. I think you might be able to get a dub there. And then Arkansas coming in here, will that get you to six? And then you got a couple toss-up games out there. I mean, so you know, when you start beginning to think about that, and I know the, the juxtaposition that exists, right? You say, but you know what, Steve? We're just hoping to get to a bowl game next year. Ole Miss maybe playing to get to the playoff. That's the reality of where we are. It is. They're a couple years ahead of us, and to suggest otherwise is to be disingenuous. Now, that's not to say, could we go in there and win that ball game? Yeah, we could. Yeah, and you know Jeff Levy and the guys will be up to go play it. You know, I mean, that's all part of this thing, too. And you never know what shape the two teams are going to be in before you get there. But that's how I see it right here on December 28th. You know, when we get ready to, to kind of preview next year, there's just so much of that you consider. You know, is what's next for Mississippi State? We write that column regularly. Uh, but I think I just encourage people to be patient. I think Jeff Levy is going to do a good job here at Mississippi State. Uh, I, I think this staff has some things to prove. You know, and, of course, we're going to be as good as our defense makes us. I think offensively we're going to be okay. Uh, I, I do. I think there are some things schematically you can do. I mean, just – and here's the thing, too. I, I go back to the whole Joe, Joe Moorhead thing, right? You know, Joe schematically was able to make, you know, Stephen F. Austin and, and Louisiana Lafayette – he was able to out-scheme them. 
It wasn't a talent situation, right? We were able to use our talent to beat those teams. To get in the SEC, all of a sudden, schematically, we couldn't do anything. We had better players than the numbers indicated. That's where I think Jeff Lebby is much farther ahead. Of course, Lebby's not just the Penn State thing, right? Well, Joe, you know, you had Saquon Barkley up there, one of the better running backs of the last decade. You, know, you had some NFL talent up there. You know, but Lebby has done it at Central Florida. He's done it at Ole Miss. He's done it at Oklahoma. And I've seen some people say, well, this is Joe Moorhead 2.0. I think that's extremely disrespectful. I think it's also short-sighted because of the fact that Jeff Lebby has done it at multiple stops in the Power Five. Now, UCF wasn't a Power Five when he was there, but if you go back and look at the numbers those guys put up, they did an amazing job. And so I, I think we're light years ahead – and Jeff Lebby's development as a play caller than we were with Joe Moorhead. And that's no disrespect to Joe. And the, the quality of competition matters because then you begin to kind of fine-tune your playbook and your play calling and things of that nature. But the reality of it is is that we as Mississippi State fans can say, you know what, let's take a deep breath. Let's get behind this staff. Let's get behind this administration and see if we can't go get us a winning season next year and get this thing back on track. I think that is the most reasonable expectation. All right, time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler is my friend, your friend. He's our friend in the mortgage industry. Guys, you can entrust your mortgage into the hands of a lot of people, and that's a risky proposition. I mean, it really is. It's a very significant decision. And many people struggle to get to the closing table in the first place. Thus, close with Blair. Give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Blair, 22 years of experience in the industry, back-to-back-to-back, top 1% close ratio in the country. Recently made to move to Priority One Mortgage because he's a guy that's in demand. He's a guy that gets things done. And so if you're a person that's thinking about moving or refinancing your home or buying a home for the first time, look no further than Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. Be sure and let him know you heard about him on the show. He's a bulldog. Got season tickets in uh, multiple sports. Has a place up here. A very successful uh, mortgage loan originator. And again, it's such an important decision. You need to stick with the winners. Stick with professionals. Stick with Blair Chandler. All right, a brand new song out these days, and uh, many of you, and I suspect most of you, uh, have some sense of affection uh, for the band Linkin Park. You know, one of their top songs of the uh, top rock songs on the Sirius XM Octane Countdown for the year in review in their top 30 was the track Lost uh, that was released earlier this year uh, when when Linkin Park released the uh, Meteora remastered album and that was one that was kind of tucked away and uh, it was so familiar to some other songs on the album they didn't release it then but how cool was it for us to have some new music that we hadn't heard before from Linkin Park uh, with Chester on vocals Uh, but Mike has done some things since Chester's untimely death and music that I think are rather interesting uh, so we're going to do a top 10 Mike Shinoda list today that's not Linkin Park related, right? Stuff that he's done outside of Linkin Park. There hasn't been much going on with Linkin Park in recent years, as you would expect. They had a tribute concert, and everybody's like, what's next? What's next? Will we do a hologram of Chester? And 
you know, that just hasn't been what they've wanted to do. Um, they also know they don't want to replace Chester. So it may be the end of Lincoln Park. We may get some uh, hidden classics and, uh, you know, there may be some unreleased tracks that get remastered and they finally release those. But uh, Shinoda is still very active as a producer, as a songwriter, uh, and also as an artist. So we're going to do top 10 Mike Shinoda songs not connected to Lincoln Park. All right, number 10. This is a great track. And Mike has done some singles and a couple of EPs that he's released and one full-length album uh, as a solo artist and, of course, uh, the work at Fort Mi- with Fort Minor. Uh, but uh, this is one that was released just a couple years ago. And uh, I think you'll dig it. It's not Linkin Park-esque, but it's one of those cool tracks you look at and say, you know what? I can hear a little bit of those elements. It's the great track, Happy Endings, uh, featuring Eon Dior and Up Sale or Upsall, pardon me. Uh, but yeah, great track. And again, it's classic Shinoda, but it doesn't have the harder edge of Lincoln Park. That's your number 10 track today. Number nine, another one, a collaboration uh, with Kaylee Morg. It's called In My Head. And this was a big hit. This was everywhere. And you maybe didn't know that it was Shinoda, but it is. Number eight, from the Post Traumatic album. The Post Traumatic is interesting, and uh, it's one of these uh, albums that is inspired from a very authentic place of pain and struggle and grief, and uh, many of these songs are written just after Chester uh, took his life, and this is uh, an interesting one. Uh, It's a shorter song, but it also has some voicemails from people kind of checking in on Mike after Chester. And it's uh, the the first song on the post-traumatic album. There were initially three songs released as an EP, all in honor of Chester. But it's a place to start. That's your number eight track. And again, a little bit bit different track. It's interesting that the first song on the album is called A Place to Start. But it's, again, it's about, you know, those days of grief when you find out that one of your best friends and your key collaborator has gone. All right, number seven, and uh, really like this one a lot. And this is from, so Shinoda, during COVID, did some pretty crazy stuff, right? I mean, Mike was a guy that uh, got obsessed with uh, Twitch, and he put together three albums called Dropped Frames, Volume 1, 2, and 3. And there's a couple of them that are, you know, lyrical but most of them are instrumental. But basically, these were composed by Shinoda and fans on Twitch. Like, he would just get on there and just kind of create, and people would kind of jump in with him. It's a very unusual and very unique project, and it's unlike anything else he's ever done. Uh, Really, really cool track called Open Door. Really like that one a lot. That's your number seven song uh, from the Dropping Frames collection. Number six, also from Post Traumatic, this one's not necessarily about Chester, but of course the whole album kind of has uh, you know the spirit of Chester in it. But it's Make It Up As I Go. That's your number six track. Really like this one a lot too. Number five, also from Post Traumatic, it's Watching As I Fall. And uh, as I watched all of this, there's videos for all these songs. I watched the video, you listen to the track. When you think about our own sense of loss... And when we have something traumatic happen in our life, more times than not, we can kind of retreat. 
right? And we can get into the confines of our home. We're not public figures, most of us not anyway. But for Mike Shinoda, it was such a incredible global response to all of this. And people kind of look to Mike to see how to react. And I think in many respects, this song is about that. Is that here he is, his heart is broken. His band will never be the same again. A legendary million-dollar, multi-million-dollar operation that just sold millions and millions of records and sold out arenas everywhere. He didn't just lose the friend, but in many respects kind of lost the career. And so it all happened very publicly. And so that's what kind of watching as I follow is about. We were all just kind of observing someone that we loved and someone that we've enjoyed for so many years dealing with something so very deeply personal and very public. That's really what the track is about. Very emotional song. Number four, the biggest hit from the Fort Minor album on the charts. I don't know that it's the most played or listened to track from that Fort Minor album, The uh, the Rising Tide, which is phenomenal. If you don't know that, as Ben Howland would say, it's phenomenal. And I, I think you should put it on today and enjoy that. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, but, but um, Where'd You Go was a huge hit. And uh, it's really kind of written from the vantage point of kind of like Mike's family, right? And then Mike is uh, verbalizing or vocalizing, you know, what his people would say. You know, you're always chasing your career. You're never on Where'd You Go. It's like in the middle of our lives when things are going great, you've got to leave again. And uh, great female vocal on this one as well. Again, huge hit. All right, number three, and this is the brand new one. Brand new track uh, from, from Mike uh, off a new EP that I think is very interesting. And um, it's called The Crimson Chapter. There is talk they're going to add some more uh, stuff to this. And uh, right now, there is the already over with the, the Crimson intro and then the radio edit, then the reorganized mix. And then there is the song Fine that's been remixed. Then there's the Fort Minor mix of already over. Then there's In My Head. Uh, which is a great track, for sure. Uh, and then there's already over Nothing's There mix, and then already over Part 2. And so you can just kind of put that thing on, just kind of let it wash over you. But uh, it's a great up-tempo track, and uh, I think Mike does a great job here as a vocalist. It's more rock-oriented than some other stuff. But uh, again, it's really, if you're a fan of Shinoda, it, it kind of scratches you right where you itch. Number two, very emotional song. Written about Chester Bennington uh, from the post-traumatic album. It was part of those first three songs that were released as an EP and then ultimately became a full-length album. And uh, the thing that strikes me with this one is, you know, there are some things in life that you never get over. You just get on with them, which is what our, our loved one would, one would want, right? I mean, I remember when my dad died. I didn't think I could go on. I remember laying in my bed every day. I'd be late for work and things like that. And, and I, I could hear him in my head saying, you got to get up and you got to get moving. You got to get on with life. And it seems so disrespectful, right? I mean, it's like you want to just kind of sit there mired in your own grief because you feel like to move on would be disrespectful to their memory. And I, I can just tell you, after having lived through that, uh, that's just not the case. I, I think what I truly believe is that our loved ones, of course, want us to remember them but they don't want to see our lives derailed by their departure, right? And there are some times that we lose people without warning. It's very difficult. And that was really the case here. Even though Chester had had his struggles with 
uh, with chemical dependency and things like that. And, and uh, of course, he was a survivor of abuse, of childhood trauma. And uh, much of his pain is played out on these Linkin Park albums. And you would think, man, you know, how could somebody that had achieved so much and earned so much money and had such notoriety in the world ever be unhappy? And I think it's a cautionary tale that no matter how much money you have or what you have possession-wise, no matter where you go, there you are. And you need to find a way to deal with those problems. And for some people, life is just too difficult. It is. And uh, I, I don't judge those people. But uh, this song, I think in many respects, is about that. It's about, it's about saying goodbye. And you have to say it over and over and over again. You know, there, there are just some losses that uh, don't dissipate after those few days after the funeral. You know, it's like you go through that first year, and it's like, hey, it's the first time we've done this, and first time we've done that, and and it's, it's kind of reminiscent to me of uh, of one more light that um, Lincoln Park performed the day that um, Chris Cornell killed himself, and Chris and uh, Chester are very very close, and uh, there's the line in there about, you know, it's at the table. There's one more chair than you need. I mean, it's so profound to look at it in that respect, and. And there's all these daily reminders of that, right? You know, this is our first Christmas without so-and-so. And it just kind of drives home the loss. And, and that's what makes this time of year so difficult for so many people. You know, some people are estranged from their families and other people too. They've had losses that will never be recovered from. You know, you lose a parent or you lose a child. And it's like, you know, yeah, Christmas is great, but, but, and I think this song really drives that emotion home over again from the post-traumatic album from Mike Shinoda. But number one for me, and uh, it's everywhere, right? And it seemed like whenever this song dropped and you can hear those keys in your head and you know from the very beginning exactly who it is and what it is, it's Remember the Name from Fort Minor. And uh, when I was doing my research for this list, I looked up and saw that uh, Remember the Name has like millions more views on YouTube than some of Linkin Park's greatest hits. And I think, again, it kind of diversified who Shinoda really is. And uh, there's also the song on there called Kenji, which is uh, his middle name, Mike Kenji Shinoda. And uh, Mike is Japanese-American and said, hey, that in and of itself has its own challenges on both sides, right? And he went to Japan and said he was there and he felt comfortable because so much of it was like his family, right? Uh, there were so many people there, the, the, the customs that they held, like, you know, even accepting somebody's business card with two hands and things like that out of respect. And he said it was, a, it was very interesting to go over there and see those customs play out. But also, too, he was still kind of treated a little bit of as an outsider because he is, quote, Japanese-American, a completely different deal. And there's a track on there that talks about the internment camps, which is, uh, you know, I understand we were an angry nation after Pearl Harbor and thought, you know what, hey, we've got to protect ourselves uh, but how those people were treated was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, as a nation, we have made some very, very poor decisions in our history when it comes to the issue of race. And uh, I don't know that this gets talked about enough, those internment camps and things that in, in World War II, that uh, innocent people were going out and collected and put in these internment camps and, and, and caged like animals just because of the color of their skin. And uh, I didn't know as much about that until I heard the song and I began to do some research and I'm like, this is a very powerful song and this is a message that doesn't get repeated very often. And so I would encourage you at times, you go listen to this stuff and then do the research behind it yourself. But uh, I'm a huge Mike Shinoda fan, I'm a huge Lincoln Park fan 
And I'm glad we're getting new music from Mike. And so if you are a supporter of Shinoda and supporter of Lincoln Park, uh, maybe go download that brand new Already Over track today and jam that a little bit. I think you'll enjoy that. And, of course, the Fort Minor album, I love it from start to finish. Absolutely from start to finish. You know, of course, Lincoln Park had already dropped two big albums. They'd had Collision Course with Jay-Z. And then all of a sudden, Mike drops the Fort Minor thing. And you begin to wonder, okay, what's the direction of the band? And then things kind of changed a little bit, right? And uh, I remember Lost in the Echo. I remember when that came out, that was kind of quintessential Linkin Park stuff. But the band itself was really beginning to diversify the sound. I think a lot of that comes from what Shinoda did outside of the band. I think he learned some things working with our people and brought it back and really kind of changed the direction of Linkin Park. I think in a very positive direction. I mean, because if you go out and you keep doing, you know, the hybrid theory thing over and over and over again, it gets kind of stale. So... Uh, again, great to hear new music from Mike Shinoda. It's uh, great to know that he is, again, kind of pick up the pieces and kind of move forward. I know many of you are fans of Linkin Park and, as a result, fans of Mike Shinoda. And maybe you are unaware that Mike has brand new music out. And uh, those happy, excuse me, those um, those Twitch product uh, albums, the uh, Dropped Frames collection, a little eclectic. You know, it's much, much different. It's just kind of where to get to occupy his time during COVID. But I think in many respects, maybe it made him a better musician. Working with fans, it's nuts, man. It really is. And the fact that he liked enough of those songs to put those albums out on his own label, uh, pr- pretty significant type thing. And again, kind of think, says about who Mike Shinoda really is. I don't know what we can expect from Lincoln Park down the road. And maybe we're done. I hope not. I hope that they can uh, unearth some old unfinished tracks and kind of finish those things. Because, you know, every band uh, has some songs that maybe didn't make an album or you know, when they got back to re-release the uh, uh, Meteora album, they found that one and said, oh, yeah, I remember this one. You know, you know as well as I did, or some more of that stuff tucked away, just like there is with uh, Chris Cornell and Audio Slave. Uh, there's, there's rumors out there. There's as much uh, infra- material with uh, Tom Morello and those guys with Chris Cornell to have two, possibly three, Audio Slave albums. And at some point, that'll, that'll see the light of day. I, I don't know what time's waiting on, to be quite honest with you. But uh, I know the new Soundgarden, the final Soundgarden album, uh, that has finally been resolved. Of course, um, the Cornell family for a while, kind of uh, Vicky Cornell, and uh, no matter what you think about her, kind of locked onto these and wouldn't let the band finish them. Well, they've now settled that lawsuit. And so we should have new Soundgarden music in 2024. And so hopefully we'll get some Audio Slave and some more Lincoln Park as a part of it. It's not that we don't have good music today, but it's nice to hear from the Giants to have some, maybe some hidden gems you know, kind of re-released or uh, polished up and put out for all of us. So please enjoy our Mike Shinoda list. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out and let us know. Best way to do that is to hit up Roy on Twitter. Uh, his handle on Twitter is Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. I'd encourage you to follow Roy if you like top ten lists. He's not going to be sending out pictures of his food and things like that. He's not that kind of guy. And if you're that kind of guy, the, the, to each their own. But, uh, but the reality of it is is that Roy does this for free because he loves a top ten list, and he's put so many of these lists together for us. And what's so interesting, too, we've had some lists, like 20,000, 20,000 downloads of those lists. It's amazing to me. You know, we don't have that many listeners per show. You know, there's sometimes that we get well over 10,000, but the reality of it is is that uh, these lists make the rounds and uh, appreciate so many of you enjoying those lists. And so if you'd like us to do your list, 
uh, let Roy know. Of course, I'm on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. I can't promise you I'll see it though. I'll do my best, but your best bet's to hit up Roy. And uh, appreciate all that Roy does for the Boneyard and for all of you. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. I love Campus Bookmart. You should, too, if you don't already. You may already have a raving love affair with them. I love them. I do. I love being able to go in there and get what I want for all the Bulldogs in my life, whether it be Christmas time or Valentine's or New Year's Eve gifts or whatever, or maybe just a casual Tuesday, right? There's nothing better than getting a gift that knows that somebody's thinking of you. So maybe treat somebody that maybe wasn't on your Christmas list. Maybe somebody you've forgotten about, or maybe somebody that's kind of having a tough time. Send them some Mississippi State gear. We always want to rep the maroon and white. We do. And the best selection of Mississippi State merchandise is found at Campus Bookmark. If you can't make it to town, or perhaps you live in the mission field, and uh, you need to be able to uh, order online, you can do so at campusbookmark.net. And by being a Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Let's talk a little basketball here. Uh, You may have seen this, Mississippi State's Jimmy Bell. How about that? Your SEC player of the week. Where would we be without Jimmy Bell? I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous, man, to think about the improvement this guy has made. And maybe ludicrous is not the right word. Tremendous. Tremendous. I mean, to, to think this is a guy that averaged four points a game, and he has come in here and really answered the call for us because you guys felt like I did when we found out Tolu was going to be out all of the non-conference. We're like, you know what? This season's done. It's like this black cloud just persists over us. We're, we're finished. It's, well, Jimmy Bell is going to have to step up. Well, he has. He has. Jimmy has been tremendous. And now you begin to think about – you can be somewhat patient with Tolu. You don't have to rush him back. And he can be, we can be playing our best basketball down the stretch here. Uh, but Jimmy Bell, your SEC player of the week, 6'10", 280-pound, graduate senior, had 17 points and 18 rebounds and three blocks in our win over Rutgers in the Gotham Classic. A tip of the cap to our graphics people for that uh, solid night graphic. And outstanding. Bell was named the MVP of the game. He was 6 of 11 from the field, 5 of 6 from the line, 17 points were a season high, and the 18 rebounds were a career high. You talk about a guy that has answered the call from Mississippi State, it's Jimmy Bell. Now, the Bulldogs back in action this Sunday uh, in Humphrey Coliseum. On December 31st, that's New Year's Eve. I don't know what your plans are for Sunday. I don't know what you got going on. But before you get all gussied up or before you go grab some adult beverages, let's uh, swing by the hump and watch the Bulldogs take on Bethune-Cookman. The last non-conference game you know, of the year for us until we make the NCAA tournament. But, um, yeah, Bethune-Cookman, you know, you look at this team here, it, you know, there's no point really previewing the game. It should be a, a chance for us just to go out there uh, and handle business. And you can say, but Steve, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. We lost to Southern, right? We can't afford to take anything for granted. But I think that I think in many respects, Chris Jans has taken that dreadful week we had and turned it into the positive. I, I think our young men are playing with a lot more enthusiasm. Not that we were playing bad, 
But I think it was a wake-up call, and I think Jans and the staff have used it as such. Uh, but Tung Cookman, 5-6 and six on the year. They opened up the year in Minneapolis to uh, the Golden Gophers there. And then they knock down Trinity College and Trinity Baptist, and, and they score a bunch of points in games that um, you know, nobody really cared about. And then they get Charleston Southern by six down in Daytona Beach and then lose to Lamar, lose Delaware State, get absolutely destroyed in Farmville, Virginia at the Brock Challenge by Longwood. Yeah. They get Incarnate Word by 14 and then uh, take down South Carolina State. They lose at Purdue-Fort Wayne and lose at Chicago State. Uh, They're set to play Friday against Central Florida and then make their way to Starkville. So a little bit of a holiday break for them, nine days between games, and then they're going to play two in three days. Uh, But, yeah, it should be a game that we should handle. But, uh, again, you know, when, when do we get Tolu back? You know, there was a lot of discussion, though, you know, January 15th, then maybe Christmas, you know. Um, so after this week, this weekend's game against Bethune-Cookman, we're going to be on the road at South Carolina. We'll be in the SEC play, and uh, we'll kind of see how things go. But uh, it'd be nice to have Tolu back for SEC play. Does he play this weekend? I don't know. Uh, I, I really don't know. I don't think it would hurt him to get a couple minutes, of course, in – just kind of get out there and kind of getting back in the flow. But, again, you look at this thing, man, and um, I remember when Farmer and I talked about the beginning of the year, he thought 11-1, and one, and we're 10-2. and two. And really, you know, the swing there is the loss to Southern. It was completely unexpected, right? Uh, but the way that we have navigated through this without the benefit of Tolu Smith has made us a better basketball team. And I think the SEC is going to take notice. And uh, Tolu gets back and kind of gets back up to shape I think that we're a team people aren't going to want to play. Jimmy Bell wasn't the only person uh, that collected uh, a nice honor this week uh, for the maroon and white. Maybe you're familiar with this. Lauren Park Lane, a native of Wilmington, Delaware. How about that? She has become a player that, uh, that has become a fan favorite here at Mississippi State. Pretty nuts here. An individual Mississippi State single-game record for the men or the women. Most three-point baskets made in a game, 10 of 17. Nuts. We talked about that earlier in the week, but it's pretty nuts to think about that. And that's on the road. That's not a, that's not a friendly rim, right? That's not just a backdrop that you're used to shooting at. I mean, she goes on the road and lights them up in a huge game. Huge. 30-point game. And it's nuts. It's a nuts to think about the impact that she's having on this team. And, uh, you know, we're finally getting healthy. Uh, so congratulations to Lauren Park Lane and everybody connected uh, with Mississippi State women's basketball. I got high hopes for this team. Now, the ladies are going to be in action tomorrow night here at Humphrey Coliseum against Mississippi Valley State. That's the final non-conference game of the year. Uh, so be able to, you know, you need to go ahead and turn out and be a part of that. Um, if you're around – We'd love to have you turn out and watch that. Of course, uh, you know, you could just come up here and spend New Year's Eve with us and uh, get your weekend off uh, with the Bulldogs play at Mississippi Valley State. And then you'll have Saturday to kind of do all your shopping for all the things that your friends and family didn't buy you for Christmas and then watch that game against Bethune-Cookman on Sunday and then go to whatever New Year's Eve party you're looking at. But, um, you know, looking at this uh, Mississippi Valley basketball team, uh, the Devil Lats, we kind of touched on this earlier. This, again, a game at State should win 1-10 on the year. We're not going to go back and recap schedule again. 
but we should be able to win on both sides of the basketball ledger. The men and women should be able to secure victories in these final non-conference games before we get ready for SEC play. Uh, and that's pretty exciting, too, when you start thinking about that, hey, where we were, what our expectations were, and it does appear that we're trending in the right direction on both sides of things. And, again, just finally getting healthy on the women's side and about to do so on the men's side. The women are 12-2. and two. You know, we didn't have a, you know, a ridiculous non-conference schedule, but, guys, you know, we played some Power 5 opponents. It wasn't like we were just you know, playing the Mississippi School of Math and Science week after week. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited, and I think January and February are going to be a lot of fun for us, and both of those are going to lead to us playing in March. Uh, love March Madness, and, um, you know, it was nice last year to have a rooting interest, right, to be able to fill out – you know, bracket and think about what could be on the Mississippi State men's or women's basketball side. So, uh, again, encourage you to turn out and be a part of this. Uh, what's interesting to me is, uh, you know, we've had so much going on on the football side, right? Tons and tons and tons of stuff. Go, you know, coaching change, coaching staffing, coverage to watch. And uh, then, of course, the you know, December signing period, the transfer portal. It's been a very busy stretch. But all of that is about to kind of calm down. You know, we're done with the December signing period. We still got to work through some transfer stuff, and we still got a couple weeks to kind of figure all that stuff out. But it's going to be basketball. And then shortly thereafter, baseball is going to start. And then we'll, we'll sit down with Chris Simona soon and kind of talk about that and kind of preview the season. But, uh, you know, we have got two really good basketball teams to be excited about. And so my hope is, is that once we get through this stretch – and kind of finalize things with these transfer portal guys and get guys on campus, you can, t- you can kind of exhale a little bit on the football side. That has really kind of held your interest and maybe even led to some stress and anxiety for you, right, because you're so emotionally invested. But uh, we're about to kind of get through this stretch, and we can kind of put football outside of like the 2025 junior days and new offers and things like that to put that stuff aside for a bit and be able to really train our focus on, on basketball. And it's always great when we can all kind of get together at Humphrey Coliseum uh, and be able to enjoy an evening together in a Bulldog victory. And if you haven't been to the newly renovated Humphrey Coliseum, you owe it to yourself uh, to kind of turn out. They did a great job with it. Uh, a few little things left they got to, you know, finish up here in the next uh, few months. But uh, we've got a, a place that we can be proud of, uh, to be sure. Now, are we where we want to be? I don't know that we are. And I don't know that Humphrey Coliseum – uh, will ever be, you know, maybe what it was intended to be initially. I think it, when we first built it, it was you know, kind of state-of-the-art. But, uh, you know, we kind of let that thing get a little age on us. And so now it's time, you know, we, we've renovated it. I think now we can say, you know what, hey, we've done some good things here to make a commitment to basketball, and uh, the basketball team is responding. But in order for us to continue to to build – We've got to make sure that we never let Humphrey Coliseum fall into a state of disrepair. We can't get antiquated with all that stuff. It's important for us to always, um, you know, contribute and to always allocate resources for everything. It's true. We want to be competitive in every sport. We absolutely do. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. If you're looking to bring a large group to town, and chances are you are, or maybe you've thought about it. So, you know what, it'd be great to get everybody together under one roof and let's just go enjoy a Mississippi State basketball weekend or Mississippi State baseball weekend, or perhaps you're bringing a work group to town. And it's nice to have everybody kind of centrally located. Instead of going out there and wasting your company's money or your own money, getting five hotel rooms, how about five bedrooms? under one roof there at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. You have that great communal area. You can cook. You can buy groceries. Uh, 
and put your snacks up. Maybe you're a trail mix guy. I don't know. Uh, or some adult beverages. And maybe you're just bringing everybody to town for a family event. And so, you know what? We're just going to get together and we're just going to be together. Look no further than the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just five miles from the Mississippi State campus. I mean, you, you can be there in no time. You know, do your tailgating there if you want to. A lot less cleanup with all of that, right? Not, not to mention you don't have to lug everything to campus and back. So much better. Uh, I've toured the facility. It's absolutely fantastic. You also have the, uh, the great fire pit area out there. Not a lot of neighbors around. Not that we want you getting too rowdy out there, but uh, there's not going to be a lot of people impeding on your peace and quiet. How about that? It's important to understand. So Google the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. You can peruse their pictures or their, on their Facebook page. And if you decide this is a match for you, and I suspect that it is, then what you can do is book through the Evolve website. You've got options. You can book through multiple websites, but only the Evolve website can save you some money by being a Boneyard listener. Use promo code BSR10. That gets you 10% off your booking at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Yeah, you can book through other people, but you're going to pay more. How about that? So book through Evolve and use promo code BSR10. We're going to use it the next time that we get ready to have a little family get together. You say, but Steve, why wouldn't you just have it at your house? Well, we've got, we've got a big house. We also got a big family that's growing. And uh, I think, you know, that they've kind of outgrown their childhood bedrooms, right? And so we'd like to have that. Uh, I think it'd just be a great weekend, a chance for us to, uh, to kind of get together and, uh, and have the bride, you know, get those cinnamon rolls ready on Saturday morning or Sunday morning. To, you know, have everybody wake up to that and some fresh coffee rather than having to go deal with the, uh, you know, the powdered eggs at the hotel lobby. Everybody walking around their bare feet and their pajama bottoms and things like that. You don't know what they've been up to. You know, you know how it goes. Nice to have a little privacy. So make it a special event at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Again, by booking through the Evolve website. Promo code BSR10 to save 10% off your stay. Okay. Now, we know that uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, that first weekend, we're going to have an opportunity to host some players. And, um, yeah, by and large, it's going to be transfer guys the rest of the way. Of course, you know, January 3rd, you know, we'll have uh, Stonka Burnside make his formal announcement about his college destination at the Under Armour game. And then January 6th, you know, Daniel Hill. We'll talk about that more as we get closer. We've talked about that a lot. But let's talk about some other players. Cameron Smith, a native of Whiteville, North Carolina, junior defensive back at Memphis, of course, played for Coach Matt Barnes, has informed us that he plans to take an official visit to Starkville uh, the first weekend of January. And Wouldn't that be nice, right? Uh, big year for him last year. Uh, he has spent three years there and uh, has one year of eligibility remaining. So he's a veteran guy that's played a lot of football. He had uh, 57 tackles last year as a safety and three interceptions. Also six pass defenses as well. But uh, uh, he's going to have some options. Uh, but he's going to have an opportunity to come here. Matt Barnes, of course, giving him the opportunity to play in a Southeastern Conference uh, with a coach that he's familiar with. You know, Barnes is going to coach the safeties and be the co-DC. And so – Obviously, he knows there are some players at Memphis that have the opportunity to help us. And so that's a name to kind of remember as we get into uh, the month of January. Cameron Smith out of Whiteville, North Carolina, three years at the University of Memphis. Played 21, 22, 23. We're starting to cycle out of all this COVID stuff. And, and, and thank goodness for that. But there are so many guys out there that you know still have a COVID year available, uh, but we're about to be done with all that stuff. 
thank goodness. Because it makes it so much more difficult, for, not just for us to follow it, but for coaches to manage the roster. There's a lot of guys that have the COVID year that are going in the portal and going somewhere else and taking full advantage, as they should. You only get a short time in life to play sports. If they give you a free year to do it, you should. Okay, a name that you should be somewhat familiar with, Hershey McLaurin. Played at Collins High School. If that name sounds familiar, it should. He's Mark McLaurin's first cousin. Of course, Mark McLaurin, uh, the hero of the 2017 Gator Bowl, when he had three interceptions of Lamar Jackson in the Mississippi State's win over Louisville. Uh, great, great situation there. And, um, you know, Hershey is a guy that's kind of figuring some things out. Went to Jones Junior College, had a couple big years there, landed at West Virginia. And uh, 2023 year, had 24 tackles and three passes defended. I guess that's not technically true. That's just listed as solo. 44 tackles, pardon me, 24 of those solo. And uh, also had a hand in a sack as well. We talked about safeties, how important safeties are. And it, it just seems like we've been, you know, swinging at a moving target in many respects. This makes a lot of sense. A guy from Mississippi that's done it on the Power 5 level, has a family connection to Mississippi State. He also was expected to take an official visit to Mississippi State uh, the first weekend in January. You know, so we'll see how things go. I'm sure that Mark is already on the case uh, to help the Bulldog recruiting efforts. Mark McLaurin, one of my favorite Bulldogs of the last decade or so. Uh, I remember watching Mark. I went and met Mark in person at Collins High School. Then went and watched him play against Bassfield. He lined him up at receiver. And uh, he and Jamal Peters kind of you know, traded paint most of the night. But Mark McLaurin is exactly the kind of person that we needed at Mississippi State. Of course, that ultimately led to Nathan Pickering coming here, right? Uh, very, very close. You know, right there, seminary in Cowens, basically sister cities in some respects. Uh, the wards in seminary, outstanding. The wards in Cowens, outstanding. Um, but I share that because Mississippi State has been good to this family, and that family's been good to Mississippi State. So I think there's a good chance that Hershey ends up coming home to Mississippi. And certainly he has the opportunity to step right into a starting role here at Mississippi State at a safety position. In addition to that, some other names that you need to be aware of. Uh, Jabari Barber from Troy. Uh, our Matt Zenitz from 247 Sports has mentioned that uh, Kansas State, Michigan State, Mississippi State are all teams expected to get visits from Troy. Uh, that's rather interesting. And, and listen, this is a young man from Dothan, Alabama. Just missed a thousand yard season last year. Um, so 75 catches, 999 yards. I mean, the official bookkeeper couldn't go back and find one. Uh, five touchdowns on the year, carried the ball three times for 16 yards. But uh, this is, again, a guy with one year of eligibility remaining, but he has been productive throughout his career, but his breakout year was this year. Of course, coaching change at Troy. Uh, does. Barber become a factor with Tulane? I would think not with all these Power 5 options available. Chance to play in the SEC, the Big 12, uh, or the Big 10. So the visits will be an important aspect of his recruitment. And you say, Steve, I mean, how many receivers do we need? Well, I mean, you know, we've got a lot of guys leaving. But in this pass-happy scheme, we're going to play a lot of receivers, probably similar to what we ran in the air raid, even though we're going to run the football a little bit more. We're, we're going to, uh, you know, staff the wide receiver room and, again, we've done really well with these younger receivers, but you need some stopgap guys that can come in and produce this year and give those young guys a chance to develop. And so uh, that would be awfully interesting if we're able to get him. not sure of the date of his visit, uh, but that's just kind of something to watch as we move forward. And, again, we talk about all these needs that we have. 
we're only down about a handful, but you're not going to turn away great players. I mean, you've got 30 guys right now as part of this class. And you've got a couple more guys, too, that we'll add you know, from the high school ranks as they, you know, they're, they're formally announced, right? Uh, and that's, uh, you, know, uh, what's, you know, San Francisco obviously is committed, but they hadn't announced his signing yet. He'll do that on, on February 1st with his teammates. And, of course, uh, you know, Sanka Burns sat on the third and Daniel Hill on the sixth. It would be great if they could get all three of those young men. But um, we've got to get an edge rusher and, again, some defensive backs. And all of a sudden you see, you know, Hershey and Cam kind of pop up here. And you say, you know what, hey, that makes a lot of sense. And then, of course, there's all the Stone Blanton stuff out there, too, who is now officially in the portal. And we're optimistic about that. But, again, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over until they announce. And then even then it's not officially over until they, um, you know, sign their SEC financial aid agreement and then ultimately enroll. So there's a lot to this, and I think they could simplify this whole process by allowing those guys to sign a national letter of intent. And maybe it doesn't even have to be in the December signing period, right? Just once they've made their decision, this is where I want to go. Kind of like it used to be in the old days. You know, coach would go down and offer a guy a scholarship they wanted to go. They'd go ahead and sign the scholarship paperwork right then and there. Uh, so, you know, we have these e-sign documents nowadays. It's not that we're expecting Jeff Levy to go on the road to get personal signatures, but uh, – I think there is a way we can simplify this whole thing with transfer portal recruiting. Very, very simply. And you know, when guys are ready for it to be over with, they can get it done. And it's so interesting. Yeah, I go back to the, the whole Marcus Banks thing, and uh, there's some people. I don't, I don't apologize for having good sources. I, I, I don't. And uh, Marcus Banks, we had to fight Miami all the way until the moment they loaded the U-Haul, right? Miami was still trying to get him uh, to come there instead of coming to Mississippi State. Uh, but so – there are going to be young people to get approached. Of course, they make a public declaration and then uh, sign that SEC financial agreement. That, that's a pretty good you know, sentiment about what things are going to happen with them. But you, you never know. You can't rule it out. And at some point, we're going to have somebody that's committed to us that ultimately goes somewhere else. I'm not saying that I'm projecting that this year, but it's not without precedent. But it would be nice if these young people would be able to sign something that is binding them to a school prior to enrollment. Everybody else has to do it, right? The high school guys do, uh, and then the JUCO guys do too. I guess technically you don't have to do it. You could just enroll. Uh, but there's so much with this that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I know the transfer portal recruiting process is still relatively new. But uh, to give people the chance to have some finality with that would be great. Because, you know, you talk to some of these guys too, they're inundated with calls and texts every day. You know, somebody new is trying to get in, and in the beginning it gets really fun, but to, to hear the young people tell it, it gets pretty exhausting. So to have an official opportunity to end that, all of a sudden you sign and your name is then removed from the transfer portal or it toggles over to sign, do not contact, which save a lot of you know phone calls for coaches, but also, too, a lot of uh, you know nonsense for players. And so I, I think that's something that needs to happen, and it's being talked about. It needs to happen sooner rather than later. And, and maybe you have just, you know, transfer portal signing day, which would be great for networks like ours. All of a sudden everybody signs on, you know, December 31st or whatever. You know, I don't know. Uh, but there needs to be something a little more organized and structured when it comes to how these people can handle uh, their decisions and kind of get these things behind them and in the recruiting process. And it's so interesting, too. There were so many people that advocated for the December signing period but they're not advocating for this. That's making sense to me. 
you know, if you think about it, if, you know, if you're a recruiting network, it's nice to have the December signing period and February. Used to, we always had February. Well, now you get, you know, two, two bites of the apple. And maybe we get a third if they have a signing period just for transfers. But it's so interesting. People are like, oh, we need to do this. We need to do this. It saves so much trouble for the kids. Well, then let's do this too. It saves a lot more trouble. Just because they're a couple years older, we're going to decide, well, let's make them wait it out. Come on. Let's take a quick look at the calendar, too, just so you guys kind of know where we are. You know, this is December 28th as we stand here. So we're in a dead period through January 11th. Now, the exception to that is, is any two- or four-year college transfer prospective student-athletes who are going to enroll for spring semester, they'll be able to take visits January 3rd through the 7th. So they're going to be able to do that. And then next thing you know, the contact period opens up uh, – you know, January 12th through February 3rd, and that takes you all the way into the final quiet period of the recruiting process. So uh, you're going to have some official visit weekends, but it's changed so much. Now, used to that was every January, right, leading up to the, you know, the, the first Wednesday in February. Every single weekend, you'd have all these visit weekends, and uh, it was a lot of work for us. It still is, but it's a little more consolidated in many respects because we do so much of it in December. So... Not going to have high school or JUCO guys, I guess, I guess high school guys. You're not going to have high school guys this first weekend unless they're early enrollment guys. So anybody that has the ability to transfer in in, in, um, in January will. So, again, high school guys, I misread that. High school guys, not a part of that unless that I've misread something. Uh, it's a quiet period except for two- and four-year transfer prospective student-athlete, so it's junior college, and uh, transfer portal guys. And, again, the, the, the verbiage we're using is still rather old. We're talking about these two- and four-year guys. Let, just call it transfers because some of these guys have three- and four- and five years of eligibility remaining. But it's a much, much different dynamic these days. So uh, we'll have some transfer guys that first weekend in January. We expect many of them uh, will decide shortly thereafter. Because, uh, you know, the enrollment date's coming right away. you got to make arrangements, right? You make the commitment, you go out there, and you got to get an apartment. Um, you know, you got to make arrangements to get your stuff here. You know, so there's not going to be a lot of guys that go into that last weekend undecided. There will be some, a select few. But uh, from this point forward, outside of a few high school announcements that we're waiting on, the bulk of what we're talking about is going to be transfer guys that, in ho- that hopefully make us a better football team in 2024. And I'm eager to get into the spring. I'm eager to see how Jeff Levy works and things like that. And, again, this is a guy that's been coaching football for a long time, you know, first-time head coach, but an extensive background. Uh, so seeing how these guys kind of get out here and mesh together is going to be an important part of things. But, again, as I said in the opening segment of the show, everybody's just got to have a little patience. You know, don't, don't expect us to come out and set the woods on fire next year. And, and if you expect six and six and you get eight and four, you're thrilled. I had somebody yesterday tell me, I think State could go eight and four. Well, you know, I don't know what you're basing that on. You know, we don't even know what the roster looks like. You know, we don't know what the team looks like after that. They haven't had a practice together. You know, you had not even had an opportunity to do a walkthrough yet. And so I think it's, you know, it's, it's too early to you know, project what the season's going to look like. But when you look at that schedule that we have next year and you look at the fact that, uh, we have so much leaving and so much that uh, so much turnover with this roster. To expect any more than that, I think, is asking a bit much. And that's not in any way a reflection on Jeff Lebby or the staff. I'm just trying to be realistic here. 
And uh, it's so interesting to me, and I've said this before. I wrote it on Gene's page, and people are like, Steve, I've never seen it put quite that way. But I've never, ever, ever, ever in my lifetime met a pessimist that didn't fashion himself as a realist. It's like, they say, well, you know, so-and-so just tells it like it is. Well, no, they don't tell it like it is necessarily. They're just telling you what you want to hear. It becomes an echo chamber. And why is it that you have to be negative to, quote, tell it like it is? And so we forecast failure, and it's like, well, that's just, you know, they're just being honest. No, not necessarily. They might just be a miserable human being. And maybe you are too, right? It's so interesting how that works. You know, it's like we validate our own feelings when we get the opinions of others that kind of match a narrative. It's like, oh, I think this is this player's going to stink. And then somebody else does it. Well, yeah, now I feel better, you know. Uh, I've got enough faith in my own evaluations, my own opinions. I don't need external validation from others. And I think it's important to understand that if we all move forward here, we can all expect whatever we want. We're going to get what we get. But I'm just encouraging people to expect next year, there's going to be some bumps and bruises. There's going to be some growing pains. I think when you start looking ahead to 2025, I think we had the, the, the opportunity uh, to be a rising team. And that was one of the things I think really factored into the Zach Arnett decision in many respects. And I had somebody ask me, would you rather 2024 be a challenging season for a last-year coach or a first-year coach? Well, that's an easy decision for me to make, right? I think we'd all probably 99% of us would say, well, you know what? If we're going to struggle next year and we're going to be a 6-6, six and 5-7, six, 7-5 and seven, seven and five type team, give me that as a building block for the future. Rather than, hey, you know, we made a commitment to this guy. We promised him we'd be patient. And then things went awry. But we're going to give him another year you know, to make everybody feel better. Well, I just think most people probably saw it for what it was. And uh, you know, I was on the phone every week after somebody's losses asking people, you know, it, you know, there's a lot of chatter out here. We're going to make a coaching change. No, no, we're not going to make a coaching change. No, 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 we're not going to do that. And then the week before the A&M game, it's like, yeah, we're making a coaching change. And uh, we'd like to hold it until the Friday after the Egg Bowl. And then we get embarrassed by a third-team quarterback at A&M. It couldn't happen. It couldn't continue. And it's been a whirlwind for all of us. But I think in the end, I think even the most hardened Zach Arnett supporters, I think now in hindsight when you look back and you've removed the emotion of it all, and you know how it is you get so caught up in this tribalism battle you know, it's like you hold on, oh, no, this is what I want to happen, you know, because I guess it gives us all some internet cred. Well, we had to make this change. And so, again, now I just ask people to be patient uh, with Jeff Levy, you know, because I don't want to be middle of the year. And, you know, it's inevitably it's going to happen. It's going to be on the Facebook group. It's going to be on Twitter. Oh, we made a mistake. You know, like if we go out there and lose to Arizona State, the pitchforks are going to be out, literally and figuratively, right? It's going to be part of the deal. Because there's some people just simply waiting to pounce, always. It doesn't matter what the situation is. There's so many of us who just can't wait to say, I told you so. I have some of that, too. I carry some of that same burden. But there are a lot of people out there, it's like, we're so scared to believe. And we're so scared to want better for Mississippi State. It's like we've been so conditioned uh, to treat life like an also-ran. And it's like we laid the groundwork to come back later to say, see, I told you so. I think belief is a wonderful thing. I just think our beliefs in next year need to be a little bit more measured. 
It's going to take some time. It's year one with a completely new staff outside of Chad Bumpus and David Turner. And listen, Chad just got here a year ago, right? Doing a great job on the recruiting trail. David Turner, of course, a salty veteran, you know. And um, But, you know, David's going to have to work in a new system, as is Chad. And so it's going to be interesting to see the dynamics and all that stuff. But we're building towards something. And could I see a scenario one day where Zach Selman leaves and goes takes the Oklahoma job, and then as soon as that job comes open, I don't know what Brett Venables looks like over there in five years, and he tries to take Jeff Lubby with him? Of course. Of course you see that. That's always a possibility, right? But the way that I see it is if Jeff Lubby has done enough at Mississippi State to get the job at Oklahoma, it means that we've done some really good things here. We put together a really good uh, run under Lebig, and the next thing you know, it makes it that much easier to hire the next guy. And, I, and I'm like you guys. I mean, I, I think you need somebody to just kind of fall in love with the place and say, you know what, this is where I want to be. But, you know, Jeff Lebby signed with Oklahoma. I'm not going to sit here and just say, oh, he's certainly going to get that job someday. I don't know that. But there's always that possibility. And you may consider it even a probability. I mean, Zach Selman's an ambitious guy. And at some point, everybody wants to go home. And Zach Selman may not get that opportunity. But Zach may be with us for 20 years. You never know. But you have to think about where are we today? What can we do today to make Mississippi State football a better program? What can we do as an athletic department to make this department the best it could possibly be, no matter what happens down the road? Because the thing that I've learned, especially when you're an ambitious person and you have goals, and we all should, we should all have goals. We do. You don't want to live an accidental life where you just get kind of caught up on the hamster wheel of paying bills and raising kids, and you've got nothing to look forward to in your life other than seeing your kids graduate and then making your grandparents. And those are all wonderful things, uh, but I think we need goals of our own, personally and professionally. But ambitious people understand this. Okay, like ultimately, if I want to be here, let's say that I want to one day be you know, the CEO of this company. What am I doing today to get here? I can't just sit around and wait for somebody to just discover me. The way that you make yourself available for positions is you kick butt where you are. You handle things right where you are, and you make yourself attractive as a candidate. That's important to understand, too. You know, nobody just falls forward for the fun of it or by accident. You got to go out there and do something to stand out. And that's the way that I look at all this is if we have coaches coming here and they get elevated the possibility of going coaching a blue blood, that means they've had a really good run here at Mississippi State. Uh, and that's a good thing, no matter when and how they leave or where they leave us for. Listen, thanks so much for your support this year. We'll come back tomorrow. That'll be our um, end-of-the-year wrap-up. Wrap we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go back and just kind of recap what's happened at Mississippi State the past year, uh, the highlights, the, the lowlights, and it's not just about football. We're going to talk about it all, kind of give some – impressions of what happened and, and forecast some things to come. And it uh, won't be too long. We'll be talking about college baseball again. That's pretty crazy to think about too, man. Uh, when we turn the calendar, we're going to be about six weeks away uh, from Mississippi State College Baseball. I do expect uh, us to have a much better year this year. I'm certainly hoping so. And I think there's more evidence this year than there was last year of a turnaround. But I uh, look forward to tomorrow for the year in review. And uh, listen – I love you guys, man. You guys have been so great to me over the years, buying the books. And if you hadn't done so, go to windabottomfalls.com. And uh, the book's doing exceptionally well. I'm getting messages from people from all over the country. You know, not just people in recovery, but people that uh, have a loved one that needs to be in recovery. 
saying that they found the book to be inspirational. I've had a lot of people that have nothing to do with alcoholism or chemical dependency that said that they have found some value in the book that is an inspiration to them. Um, and so maybe you're so inclined that you want to give that a look. And maybe there's somebody in your family or in your circle of influence uh, that maybe has a drinking problem or a drug problem or one time did, maybe live a life of recovery. Maybe perhaps they could use a little bit of uh, you know, reinforcement. Uh, I encourage you to go out and buy the book. It's whenthebottomfalls.com. You can get it in most great bookstores in Mississippi. We'll be uh, handling some more distribution after the turn of the year. And uh, we'll have some other events. i got to hustle and get that stuff done before baseball. we got a lot going on uh, in the Robertson family. Of course, new business, uh, True Rest, opening up next month, uh, mid to late next month, delay in some tile. And you can go ahead and get on board. Uh, you got to act quickly, though. You can get a BOGO. You can get buy one, get one free. Go to uh, True Rest Starkville on Facebook, and it'll lead you right to where you can purchase uh, some gift cards for yourself, for your loved ones. And uh, even sign up for a membership if you want. And I'm telling you, once you do it once, you're going to want to come back. And it may want to be a regular part of your life. Uh, but I appreciate you guys so much. And uh, there's so many of you, I'll never get a chance to shake your hand or hug your neck or, or look you in the eye and tell you how much I appreciate you. So I, I do it on this show. And it's not some fake platitude either. You know, it's, it, I've worked very hard for this. But it's one of those things, too. You know, you guys have a choice, you know. Uh, you do. You have a choice. You could you could go listen to Dateline NBC or put on some Led Zeppelin or whatever, but you put me on three days a week. And, and I appreciate that. There's so many people from around the country that reach out and say, you know what, Steve, we get no Mississippi State coverage here. So without what we get from you at Gene's Page and from the Boneyard, we really wouldn't have anything. So it makes me feel better connected. That means a lot to me. It, it truly does. And uh, I want to, again, for our military families, there's so many of them out there. Uh, I, I get messages regularly from people that are stationed around the world that say, hey, Steve, thanks for giving me a little piece of home. For all of you that are connected to a military family, whether you're, you're serving overseas, uh, maybe you're stationed away from your family, and uh, maybe you don't get to see your family very often, and, and they're, they're paying a price for us too, for our freedom, for those that love you. And uh, it's nice to know that uh, we can do just a little bit, just a little something uh, to let you know that uh, what you're fighting for back here, you know, and we appreciate you and your family's sacrifice uh, for our freedom and hope that uh, peacetime uh, lasts a long time for Mississippi and, and the United States. And um, not always so optimistic about that, but I'm so glad there, there are a lot of brave men and women out there that are, uh, that are working hard to protect us and our way of life. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.